0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Pompey Talk. My name is Mark McMahon, and joining me today to discuss offense Pompey ahead of a big game at Fratton Park, Sheffield Wednesday, travelling down to the South Coast on Saturday is Mr Jordan Cross. Jordy, how yeah. into the game? Played eleven under John Massino, won six, thrown two, lost three. Um how would you assess um, the head coach's time at Pompey so far? Oh,
1: broadly very positive uh, without a shadow of a doubt. He uh, keep going back to terms like a breath of fresh air um, after the difficulties under Danny Cowley's uh, finale um, and he's been exactly that. it has been refreshing. He's been, from a media point of view, uh, he's been engaging and hopefully that's been relayed to, to supporters. He's just been very honest as well, which I think has been refreshing and um, that honesty about where things are will go down well with supporters they might not like like all they've seen been talking honestly about budgets with 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 John over the past twenty four hours they might not like everything they want to hear in terms of um ownership with that but you will get honesty about where things stand and it doesn't look like a man that's um ready to entertain excuses um again our story that're we've got coming out uh, later so today stroke tomorrow portsmouth.co.uk and talking about where things stand with the budget which I know is a bone in contention and I think the budget should be greater personally um, but he's not willing to he's looking for answers um, and ways to ways to make things work uh, and I like that I like that about him and he he just gives me a little bit and, and, and on, on the picture I'm sure we we'll go into that um, just the way he's changed things again it's, it, it's been encouraging so Where things stand probably is where we are right now. I think in terms of the results, if you look at, say, six six wins, two draws, and a trio of defeats. So the wins have come against teams that you would expect Pompey to beat, I think. Exeter, Fleetwood, Burton, the likes of those, Cambridge, Cheltenham, and then the exception being Bolton. The draws at Lincoln, home to Barnsley with that late goal, fair enough. And then the defeats, you'd say against the, the teams where Pompey are looking to bridge that gap, aren't they? To get in amongst those, the, you know, the Plymouths and the, and the Barnsleys and, and, and Peterborough for 60 minutes, they were, were well second best. And you expect, you know, that Peterborough on their day are a force as well. So I think it's a fair reflection of where things stand for Pompey. Um, I think there's been a lot of positives to take. Um, and yes, there will be a lot of gains that need to be made moving forward. But I, I like what I see from John Massino so far.
0: Um, you did mention there are things that have changed on the pitch. What specifically do you think is the difference between this Pompey side and Danny Cowley's Pompey side then on the Messino?
1: Well, well, firstly, you do you do see a change in manager. Um, you often get that kind of lift, the uplift, don't you? And it happens time and again. So there's there's that to uh, contend with. Um, I think obviously style style of play there's been a movement towards uh a more possession based uh, uh, style of play. I think Danny Cowley's team's pressed very hard. Um and again John's really stressing that but I think he's gonna play more emphasis on on the on the playing the football. We saw that uh you know really sticking to that philosophy. Uh we saw that's Pompey's cost at Barnsley and, and and obviously the one of the themes after that was look why well, I implement this we're gonna have this collateral damage. Uh, and I'm, I'm absolutely fine with it because he thinks that once the philosophy works, it'll be to Pompey's benefit. So I really like that. But for me, probably what has actually been the key is, is he's and and the message I get back from the players is he's simplified things. He's made it very simple. Um, he hasn't over elaborated. He's not made things more complex than than they necessarily need to be. And I think the players have reacted to that. And and as a result, I think they've you've seen partnerships. Across different areas of the pitch, uh, work well, um, and 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 the players have, have reacted to that. So that that's been a key. I think I can't remember if I have mentioned it before uh, on a, on a podcast or video, but the, the one that jumped out to me was Roland Curtis at Fleetwood, where uh, Danny would say that at times Ronan was very hard to get the message across to him, almost to a point of being uncoachable because he he did his thing. With, with John's message uh, to Ronan Curtis at Fleetwood was murder, murder the right back, just get the ball and go for the right back and murder him. Man, the match performance from Ronan Curtis at Fleetwood off the back of that. So that's just one example. It's a very almost crass example because obviously there's more technical detail in it than that, but it just shows the, uh, the way that things have probably worked and what John's Early ethos has been because he can make those small changes now. And there's obviously the technical stuff that comes over time, but you can make those in, and implement those changes now. And, and, and I think the players have, have reacted to that.
0: I'm quite intrigued by that. They're simplifying things. Uh, are you suggesting then that things may have been a wee bit more complicated?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, a natural inference from that is that things might have been overcomplicated a bit under Danny. If that's what you're getting at. Um, and I think that, that that there may be some some credence in that to, uh, uh, at times. And certainly um, from the players, you, you pick up on that. But I, I just want to go back to this slightly again, because I, I've come back to it and it comes out. You will get this happen time and again. I, I've been a journalist a long time now. And whenever you get a manager, you, you chain. You do get the kind of, after a while, the kind of the noise starts coming out. Uh, Danny Cowley, and, and you hear it, lost the dressing room. I don't think he lost the dressing room. I think that... There's some players that he liked, and there's some players that he, uh, he didn't get on with so so well. And when players are playing, they like the manager or head coach, and when the players aren't playing, the ones they hate him. That's the that's the rules of the game in football. Harry Venom says say I've got eleven players that love me, the rest of me think I'm uh, an expletive. Um and uh, there's that. There's that to it. so no, I don't think he lost the dressing room. I, and fans get tidbits and pick-up on bits from players having a moan and a groan, and have equated it to that. But I just, yeah, I just think that the, the, perhaps the message got lost a little along the way. Um, and, and and basically off that, um, it wasn't lost the dressing room, but I think the players lost confidence and lost confidence in Danny Cowley um, off the back of, the, of what was happening and, and the poor run and that happens. And then Pompey got himself stuck in a malaise so obviously, then the, the the change correctly came for me, and then as I referred to earlier, the uplift for the reasons I've referenced. So that that's my take on it, anyway.
0: I got the impression yesterday when both me and you were down speaking to John ahead of the Sheffield Wednesday game that confidence after that Barnsley defeat is not going to be an issue, and um, for this Pompey side under him, does that mean then we can expect a reaction against Sheffield Wednesday? that their confidence will be affected, they'll not be overawed by the occasion, they will go into this game pretty sharp and pretty determined to win?
1: Yeah, no, yeah I would hope so. I certainly would hope so. And for the poor elements, and there were a lot of them, and I mean, for half an hour, from from the, the first goal going in on Tuesday to half-time, it was, it was dreadful. Um, I'll go into that slightly in, in a minute, perhaps. But what I... Saw in Pompey, I saw enough little glimpses of light in that performance to see how things had changed. There was a for 15 minutes in that game. Pompey came out; they sh- they shut up the Barnsley fans who were thought for- were poor for a team that had been playing so well yeah. on such a good one particular- they were silent; they were quiet. Pompey fans were were their usual selves, but there was a there was a purpose and a confidence about Pompey's play, and it was really good to see them. That, that sort of come through and being epitomised on the pitch, the way they got at them at, uh, at Barnsley. And uh, they did concede a chance or two. It was one early on, but then they, they went It didn't seem to knock them in. And they, and they got about them and played with quite a bit of swagger and verve going forward as well. And I, and I I picked up on that. From 17 to 20 minutes, the first goal, obviously, Joe Morale's mistake. Sean Raggett, who we didn't pick on up on until we saw the replay, he was culpable as well. Yeah. Then the second goal, I don't. It was a cracking goal. I don't think as much that Pompey did wrong there. Conor Ogilvie got out to Phillips pretty, um, got out to him pretty quickly, and
0: cracking finish still. But I, then I don't think Matt Messi made it a bit too soon. If I'm honest with
1: you. <laughs> oh wow, that's that's harsh. I mean, okay, I'll look back <laughs> at that again, but it looked like a cracking goal for me. Um, I wouldn't be pointing fingers too much. You're a hard yeah. taskmaster on keepers. <laughs> 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 um, but the way Pompey then reacted wasn't good. They 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 kind of. Wobbled, and and I think John picked up on that after the game. That they, they, you know they didn't regroup well enough. Um, so it wasn't the two goals; it was the kind of reaction to the adversity that that irked him. But then they got back in and didn't stay in the game long enough either. After 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 getting the goal back, but there's just enough about this team now, and the, and, the, and it just seems to be a bit of a, a release for Pompey. It feels like the shackles are off a bit more, and. I like that, and I, I like, and I've seen enough signs to to be encouraged by that. Now it's always going to be perfect, and it actually leads into a theme that I've been talking to one or two people about on social media. So Sheffield Wednesday come to town, do we continue with the same vein that Pompey did at Barnsley against a, a, you know a Sheffield Wednesday team who are more powerful in Barnsley in terms of personnel, or do you, do you change to stop them, or do you have to strengthen your convictions at home at Fratton Park? Say, okay, well, John would say, I'm, 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 and he definitely has picked up on this. He loves what he can bottle at Fratton Park. He's unbeaten there as a, as, as a Pompey head coach. And then take it to them. I mean, people have mentioned that we've got uh, two five, six, five foot six midfielders in Larry Morrell. Oh, mm-hmm. so should we take out Louis Thompson for, um, for Morrell or stiffen it up because you've got Steel with Bannon in there as well? Well, for me, Sheffield Wednesday aren't, aren't in midfield, aren't exactly landed the Giants either. I mean, you've got Barry Bannon who you, who you need to stop uh, and you've got George Byers and then folks who would probably sit a bit deeper, but he's not massive either. They are probably landed the Giants at the back, I will yeah. answer that. They've got some real height in their in their back trio. Uh, so, it's yeah, it's about, OK, well, let's look at the frets and you have to look at those and the Barry Bannons and the Michael Smiths and the Gregorys. But then you have to, and, and John said this, came, came back to this yesterday, then you need to go and implement what he thinks he can enforce in the game. And look at the champs that Pompey have. And yeah, again, I like that. I might be regret saying that at 4.45 tomorrow if he goes gung-ho. and uh, But yeah, I think there's, there's a threat that Pompey can, can really sort of bring to other teams at this level as well.
0: Yeah, and um, Pompey's record against the so-called big hitters this season and um, Derby, Epswich, Plymouth. Um, apart from Bolton, they beat them. They've they've drawn those games, which gives fans a wee bit of hope that you know, we can compete with these ones. Um, but then the away form sadly lacks that. There, can... would yeah. Pompey be would Pompey be happy with a draw tomorrow? Would Joe Messino be happy with a draw tomorrow? Or are we at a stage now where no, we need to be? going for this here and we are Pompey at the end of the day. We don't pretend we don't for second best at front park. No,
1: I mean, as I say, I mean, that kind of that end of that kind of reference What, I, what the attitude of John that a lot of picks up on and, and life. But, and it has been a, a bone of contention over a long period now that Pompey don't beat the, generally haven't beaten the bigger, bigger sides. And that's a big part of not being able to bridge the gap. But uh, I don't see Pompey making the playoffs this season. So I don't see a win being critical and needing to do that. I mean we need to do that moving forward. I, I, I need reasons for encouragement. So against a team that are twenty one games unbeaten in Sheffield Wednesday, okay, you, you want you want Pompey to win at home, but I don't see the draw as being the worst. And I don't see it it's it's not really critical. I just want to see reasons to be encouraged now really over these final twelve games. And I've been saying it for a while. And I, and and as a reference there are factors that I do see that are encouraging for me. So that that's that's the you know performance and given uh, the Bolton sort of display that really boosted everyone uh, and a few more of those over over the remainder of the
0: season. That's really what I'm looking for, for from John Massino's side. Um, as I say, we were both down spoke to John yesterday um, and we both asked the question specifically around how Pompey can bridge the gap. They're 10th place going into this game. They're not going to get to the playoffs. Do you think that gap it's too big to reverse immediately it's going to take a while how long is that their gap going to take to to the close
1: um well hopefully by the start of next season it's, it's, it's <laughs> that's what I'd be demanding pompey needs to be a top 16 it's the same thing i said at the start of this season um and that's the challenge challenge for them to to be there um and that is the debate about budgets where pompey's budget it's not mid-table, as a lot of people like to say, maybe somewhere between 10th and 6th, maybe 8th, round about that, that sort of mark. Because, and this is what, you know, even with the benchmarking reports you have now, there's an obvious trio at, uh, at the moment who are way, way ahead of everyone else in terms of financial resources in Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich and Derby. Then you've got a kind of a flurry of sides in and around the same amount, haven't you? Like the Boltons, the Chopin Athletics, the Oxford to Pompey's teams like that, Peterborough, Peterborough obviously quite strong, but bearing in mind some a couple of those names I just mentioned, they're they're back behind Pompey at the moment. So John is right to say that it's the, the the budget's not the the be all and end all. I would like the I would like a more competitive budget for Pompey, and the, the indications I rec- receive are that it will grow, but it's not going to go remotely close to bridging the gap to the twelve, ten, twelve millions you hear some of these teams are. Are on at the moment um, so hopefully what I would like to see this season is those teams out and gone I would like to see Ipswich go up I'd like to see Sheffield Wednesday go up and I'd like to see Derby go up I want Plymouth to blow up we've got a smaller budget than Pompey and they're to find a model for Pompey and then you'd like the teams to come down to be in a bit of a pickle which a couple of them are down there like the Wiggins potentially maybe others feel a little then that gives Pompey a, 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 a more helpful terrain to be competitive next season back to the original point how do they go about bridging the gap if it is a you know these teams are still around next season but John has gone into a lot of detail about that about how to build you know get the uh, competitive advantage and it's in margins like um uh, the, the sports science side uh, the physiotherapy side getting the, the organisation in travelling correct um it's in the coaching, shock horror, and training the players, and motivating the players, and creating the right environment for the players, which I think the good in any any sphere, not just football, making people feel good about themselves is hard, you know, hard, hard, more than half the battle. Um, so yeah, the coaching and the training, and then obviously recruitment's going to be massive. It's they've got to get it right, and there's gone to you know a lot of work's been put into putting structures in place to do that, and there's some encouraging signals on that side. You know, some of the business that we've seen now. And we've got the people that are making those decisions. They're, they're, they're in tune with each other. You know, John Messina seems to have a good relationship with Rich Hughes, Um, Andy Cullen. I I think there's an understanding there perhaps, which wasn't, there might've been a bit of disconnect at times in the past in what the message that was coming out from, from those people. Um, So um, that, that, that's the way I see it. That's the, how John's kind of the the message that John's given and how, and how he, um, how he bridges the gap. Um, and and as I say, yeah, I I think Portsmouth with with the owners they have, I know it's all been about sustainability, um, and and eating what you you kill, being being a phrase. But I've always felt that there's you know not to go to ten million. I mean, say for example, for example, for argument's sake, Pompey's budget is four and a half five million. They're not going to get to the tens of Derby's and the Ips, which, is a, which are even perhaps beyond that. But you would like to think there's a bit more that could have been opened up. To get in between, but as I say, no, you know, no arguments from John. Love that from him, uh, and, and it, it does give me a little bit of confidence uh, that he kind of he, he knows the, rule, the rules of the game and he backs himself to, to work in. You know, with those with those constraints. Whether that's the, we're saying the same thing come October the time, you know, when when things get ramped up and things aren't hot, you know don't go well, it may be very different. But let's cross that bridge, and hopefully, we, we don't get there.
0: Okay, and then just finally, with the season um, nearing its its latter stages, a lot of attention is going to be on, on the out-of-contact players, what can we do in the summer. Um, how do you feel those conversations are going to go? Um, yeah, I mean,
1: obviously, there's a number out of contracts. I think there's a, a number that... John's now starting to say that you know he's making noises. We've got Owen Dowes him talking about Owen Dowes saying he would like him around for the longer term. Getting very honest about the situation, I think he, he knows that he's got a year's contract and a lot could change for him. Uh, you know, in the summer, depending on where Blackpool are and whether he's of use to them moving forward. But that just that just been an example. We're picking up on players like that now. Um, it's going to be a turnover. I don't see it being a wholesale turnover like we've seen in the past, but as yeah players like Ryan Tunnicliffe come to a con you know he's been a revelation but does he fit into how John would like to go longer term I'm not quite sure. Um so yeah there's there's gonna be an evolution um and yeah it's gonna be there's a there's a good base there. Matt Macy's another one. I think he's got potentially got a pompy future. I think they're really keen on, on, on him. Uh so yeah evolution John gets to go and do his business, I think he needs a striker. That's obvious for everyone to see. They've got Colby. Hopefully he, he can keep hold of him uh, and, and, and work on that. And then I think if he would like probably a couple of eight number eights. He wants to play with two number eights moving forward. A bit more dynamism in midfield. He's asking Joe Morale to do some of the stuff that has been, that he's not so comfortable in doing. I think he'd like people that are more adept at that. Uh so yeah, it's gonna be a really interesting summer to for John to really kind of imprint his identity and, and, and sort of game idea and get the players that can work within that. Um so yeah, yeah, just, just uh just watch this space and probably another fairly busy but not as busy summer as as we've have seen in some years in the past. Okay then.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you again for your thoughts. Thanks for your expertise there. Um, Hopefully, Pompey will be celebrating a victory tomorrow against Sheffield Wednesday. We'll all be back soon. Thank you all for watching and listening, and goodbye. Cheers.